The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. The epic copyright battle over Led Zeppelin's iconic Stairway to Heaven, one jury trial and two replays at the Ninth Circuit, has resulted in a win for the band and for the music industry. Joining me is intellectual property litigator Terrence Ross, a partner at Katten Rosenman. Terry, the plaintiff claimed the songs were similar based on the combination of five common musical elements. What did the court say about that? Well, the court agreed with the jury's finding that these five individual elements were not substantially similar. The court went on to say that they were all relatively common building blocks in musical composition and that therefore they really weren't protectable under the Copyright Act in the first place. Does that mean a few note sequence can or cannot be copyrighted? The court has specifically said and repeated in this case um, that they've never, they used the word never, extended copyright protection to just a few notes. The argument made on appeal here by the trustee for the uh, plaintiff was that it wasn't merely a few notes that were copied. It was a purportedly unique combination of these five musical elements, which each in and of themselves might have been unprotectable, but when combined in a unique way, became copyrightable, and that that is why Stairway to Heaven infringed the copyright of the song Taurus. So now the Ninth Circuit had what's called the inverse ratio rule for copyright cases for more than 40 years. Did it reverse that in this case? And explain what that is. That's probably what the scholars will say is the most important takeaway from this case, that the Ninth Circuit's infamous inverse ratio rule has been abrogated, completely overruled. Keep in mind that this decision was by the entire court of the Ninth Circuit, a big court to start with, but all the active judges, 11 judges participated in this. And so it's a very important decision just on that basis alone. But what the inverse ratio rule said was, if in these cases where you cannot prove direct copying, where you know the person took something to the Xerox machine and copied it, or you watched them hand copied it, where you have to show it, sort of show circumstantial copying, and you have to prove that the defendant had both access to the work and substantial similarity. If you have a really lot of access, which was the case here, therefore you don't have to show as much similarity. That's the inverse ratio. Lots of access, less similarity, very little access, lots of similarity required. The vast majority of courts in the nation have rejected that rule. The Ninth Circuit now joins them and says, you know, we've gotten it wrong for all these years, and it's 20 plus years now. We've had it wrong all those years, and we are now abrogating the inverse ratio rule for copyright cases. I thought it was interesting that the appeals court said that access has been diluted in the digital age because 
so many works are available on Netflix, on YouTube, on Spotify. Yeah, it made a very interesting point using the television show The Office as an example. It said essentially that anywhere you turn, you will find an episode of The Office. And therefore, these highly accessible copyrighted works like The Office take advantage of this inverse ratio rule unfairly as opposed to other works that aren't as accessible in our digital world. And the copyright law was never intended to favor one class of works over another class of works or one type of copyright over another copyright, and therefore the inverse ratio rule on public policy grounds was wrong. And of course, this is what all the other courts had been saying for 20 years now, and the Ninth Circuit just got around to figuring it out. Well, better late than never, as they say, right? The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. We've talked before about copyright lawsuits that the music industry recently has called frivolous, like the Blurred Lines trial in 2015. Will this decision clear that up? Will it make it better for the music industry? Well, it remains to be seen. The The dissent here, two judges did dissent from the um, decision, so it was nine to two. The dissent specifically said that this uh, ruling will, as it said, weaken copyright protection for musicians by robbing them of the ability to protect a unique way of combining musical elements. And this goes back to the finding by the majority that the way the combination of the five different musical building blocks was made was not really something that could be sued upon here. I think the dissent, however, overstates the case. The majority did not say under no circumstances could some combination of common musical elements be copyrightable. They did not say that. The dissent seems to assume that they did. What they said was in this instance, we did not see at the trial record anything that indicated that the plaintiff had demonstrated that these five disparate common musical elements were combined in such a way that was then copied by Led Zeppelin. And so I think that's the distinction. And therefore, I think um, to a certain extent, the um, dissent is crying wolf here. Terry, a court in New York has put off a trial involving Ed Sheeran waiting for this decision. What are they waiting for? And does this answer it? Well, I don't know um, if it will or it will not. They were not waiting on the decision on the inverse ratio rule because the Second Circuit had already rejected that. Clearly, they were looking at the concept of whether or not a um, plaintiff should be entitled to get a jury instruction telling the jury that they should consider whether or not there's a, a certain selection of musical elements combined in such a way as to make them unique and therefore entitled to copyright protection. I'm not sure that there's the sort of clarity here in this decision that's going to help the New York court, quite frankly, because I believe that the, the ruling by the Ninth Circuit is very fact-specific to the Led Zeppelin case. 
Terry, always a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks so much. That's Terrence Ross. He's a partner at Catton Muchen Rosamond. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.